0: Welcome
1: to The Catch, a place where people can share their stories of how they were caught to be set free,
0: where each story points to the big story, the
1: message of the cross. Hey everybody, welcome to The Catch. My name is Cheryl.
0: My name is Ryan, and today we have a special guest, Sharice Cross. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you both for having me. So I know you like to cook. Have you been cooking anything lately? Because I know you're a little master chef over there.
2: You know what? Yes, sir. So my birthday was actually Monday. Oh, and- happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right here, birthday in quarantine, you know, so we've yeah. been being creative. So my new creation was not necessarily healthy when we talked about the Brussels sprouts. Right. <laughs> I made a hundred layer donut. So I don't know if you guys yeah. have heard of the donut craze that they Ooh. have in New York. Um, my aunt actually went to New York and brought some back Um, last year, but I made one. I found one on, online, and there was a recipe, so I made some 100-layered donuts Monday, and they were gone mm. within seconds. Within seconds.
0: Man, that sounds good right there. I know.
1: We need to work on our baking skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we've gotten better, food better food. though, <laughs> since quarantine. We've gotten better. Yeah, we, we'll say that.
0: Yeah, we've been cooking a lot more than what we used to. It'll make you cook. Yeah. Yes.
2: Absolutely. I know I have. I've definitely, and enjoy it, because I do love to cook, but prior to quarantine, it's just been so fast-paced. That I didn't get to cook like I wanted to and graduating and everything. But now, oh, yeah. Oh, Very yeah. Creative. Very
1: and creative. I know. Right. And I, we were like, we're going to see how much money we've saved. So we wrote down everything we spent <laughs> in February, like all eating out and stuff. And we looked at the numbers and we were like, Ryan, yeah. we were spending all this money eating out. Look how much money we saved. And so it's something we really want to just keep doing. We just yes. want to make sure we cook at home, you know, and it's healthier and we Definitely. know what's going in our food and so that's pretty. So, just for our listeners to know a little bit more about you, Cherise, where are you from and where do you currently live?
2: Okay, so I hail from the great state of California. Yes, the Golden State. I am from the Bay Area, San Francisco, California. Uh, I am a true Warriors fan and a true 49er fan. Before it was a, uh, a fad, I am, I'm from the real <laughs> Bay Area. And-
0: so, so were you in? A, were you an extra in Sister Act 2, or was that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I was not. I was not. <laughs> you know, we, we love San Francisco. Um, that's where actually my culinary uh, taste comes from. There's a we we have a melting pot, a true melting pot in California. Everyone from every country is literally in California. So we grew up uh, um, around a lot of people and experiencing different cuisines from around the world. And so now we are here in Georgia, in Grayson, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Um, And yeah, so that's where I'm at now. I didn't know
0: how country I was until I moved out of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to the fair one time when I was in Kansas and -hmm. I was like, oh, I get to get boiled peanuts. <laughs> and then I went to the <laughs> place. <laughs> they was like, "Where are you from? You must be from the South, from Georgia somewhere." It was like, "Where you get boiled peanuts from?" You know, and uh, I didn't know something that simple. I was like, "It's peanuts, but it's boiled," you know. And I thought that was just something everybody had, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely not. And it. speaking
2: of boiled peanuts, you're right. I really found out about boiled peanuts when we were stationed in Charleston, South Carolina. That's the first time I had heard of boiled peanuts. I was like, why are we boiling peanuts? I'm confused. (laughs) The caviar
0: of the South.
2: Do you like that? I seen these people on the side of the road with the truck, and they had this pot, and I was like, what are they doing? Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm a peanut fan. It it just wasn't. I didn't have Chick-fil-A until, and I tell people that they're really shocked, but I didn't have Chick-fil-A until we moved to Charleston around, what was that? It's been almost ten years now, seven years. Man, that was the first time trying Chick Fil A, and I was like so appalled and amazed at the same time. Like how? How? Is like that? we, I'm everywhere.
1: That's me. Mm-hmm. I was born in Charleston, so my parents were stationed there, and that's where they had me. So that's pretty cool.
2: Yes, yeah, Charleston is beautiful. It's actually a beautiful place. That was our last duty station before we moved here.
1: We mm-hmm. need to visit. Yeah, I yeah, haven't we got visited, to. So i only was there for like a year and i was you know just a year old so i don't remember anything but one day
0: yeah it's after we're kind of savannah heads so it's like we always end up in savannah we don't never like go north from savannah it's kind of like oh we just kind of stay right here on vacation so yeah
2: Yeah, Savannah's nice. you got to get to the low country as they call it the low country Mm -hmm. oh yeah
0: like when did you have your moment where you were like, uh, man, I need to do something for the Lord. Or were you always saved? Did you grow up saved? How was that growing up, uh, from, you know, the Bay area to where you are now? How was that?
2: Yeah. So I did not grow up in a house that actively went to church. My parents did not go to church, did not require us to go to church. Um, their parents though, and I was talking to my aunt the other day, just about my grandfather and just about the prayers that he really prayed for his grandchildren. My grandfather was a deacon. Um, they were Pentecostal um, on both sides of my mother's side and my father's side. They are Pentecostal. That was their nature. Their kids, my parents, um, that them boomers, you, you mm. know, we always talk about how rebellious they are. Oh, yeah. They rebelled against the Pentecostal um, just the Pentecostal scene. I guess they was just like, we tired of that. When they got old enough, they didn't go. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt strict to them, it felt restrictive. It was no makeup, no jewelry, you know, dresses. My mother mm-hmm. always talks about that and my aunt always talks about how they had to wear certain things. And so that whole generation, they're 60s, they're hippies. And in San Francisco, we're a little bit more liberal. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like you had to go to church. Like here in the South, church is business. Right. We do church, you know, so, but it, where I'm from, it, it wasn't that you necessarily had to do that. And that generation, especially my parents and, and even my uncles and aunts who grew up Pentecostal uh, just left because I think they felt that restrictive nature of that religious tone and, and so they left. And so I did not grow up in, in the church. My um, understanding of who God was was that the world, God is gonna, the world's gonna end at some point and God is gonna deal with those who have been wrong, who've done bad. So I grew up scared of God. This was up until I was maybe 16, 17, Mm -hmm. and maybe even 18, I can say. I I didn't understand um, God as being a savior or, or even his son Jesus being a savior. I understood God was going to come take this world and and it's so bad that he's going to have to destroy it. So I got a part of the story, right? right? So I was I grew up afraid of God really and I grew up thinking whatever I did was bad and I'm not sure if I will ever get to heaven. I think I, you know, I can if I could be a janitor in heaven was kind of my my theology <laughs> at that point. It really was. And so Um, There was substance use going on in my home, and it it just was no redemptive uh, value that I felt that I received from my parents. One thing that I think about is how my brother, though, um, one day on a Sunday, woke up, and I don't know how he did it. Well, I know it's the Lord. There was a little white Presbyterian church four blocks down the street from us. And he was like, we're going to go to church. And I mean, I'm maybe eight or nine. He's like 10 or 11 because he's only a year older than me. And he started to get us up. And we would go to church, him and, him and I. We would walk down there. And I was going for the donuts. They had donuts <laughs> right at the church. And they had coffee. And so I would put a whole bunch of cream and sugar in it. Just, you know, something sweet because that's all they had. But those donuts?
0: Yeah. Oh, man.
2: Donut connoisseur, y'all. Y'all just heard me talk mm-hmm. about so and San Francisco makes great donuts. So y'all is gonna get a good donut. But I was going for the donuts and the coffee. And I remember those stained glass uh, wall windows and just everybody singing all liturgical. But I just felt like we were safe. Like I don't have that testimony, my brother or I, that uh, the priest did something wrong to us. No, it was just like a space where God allowed us to be on that Sunday and on those Sundays. So that went on for a while. And then my brother, he went and joined the church and he started going on missions. So he became, and and still is, he does missions. And so he became and had a relationship with God prior to me. I was still just like, okay, looking for the donuts and the coffee. And so right, I guess my high school, I'm just kind of fast forwarding it. My first year, I went to college junior college, uh, San Francisco city college for a year. And then I, some, my mother had a car accident, bad car accident. And she had to go to chiropractor, she was going to a chiropractor. The chiropractor was right next to a recruiting station. And somehow she got in a conversation with this Navy recruiter and I, I'm at home. I got a boyfriend. I'm smoking weed y'all. I'm just kicking it. I'm just living life, you know, working. Not really looking to do a whole lot. I knew I wanted to, I thought I wanted to be a nurse at that time. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back and I'll be a nurse. But just hanging out, kicking it. And my mother gives the recruiter my phone number. And y'all remember we had flip phones by that time. Oh, yeah. So the dude, the guy calls my phone and I'm like, he said, this is petty Officer something. I'm like, officer, I don't know nothing. No flip. I don't know what you're talking about. I have nothing. So he's like, no, I'm a recruiter for the Navy, and I want to meet with you. I met your mom, and I want to see if you'd like to know about some opportunities to serve your country and to, and to travel. So when he said travel, that's all I heard. So I went up there and met him, took the ASVAB. I wound up passing the test. Um, he said, you know, I could go in, and they had something called MEPS, which was like a waiting period before you went in to the service. And so I had like maybe five months before I can actually go to boot camp. And um, I was talking to the recruiter and he was explaining to me that, you know, you can go. I think this is a good opportunity for you. And I will never forget this. He said, "You, if you don't leave here, you're gonna be nothing but a baby mama. And I was Mm -hmm. so offended by that. And I felt like, well, I mean, why would you say that to me? I love him, he loves me. And he was like, child, that's not love, that's lust. And I remember that to this day, like it was just like, God was saying, I'm gonna bring you out of this. But that was the start, I think, of my faith journey and not even knowing that that's what God was doing for me. So I just being young, I signed up, I went, went into the service and maybe, yeah, it was my second year, my second year, first year, first two years I was stationed in San Diego, second and third year I was stationed in uh, Bremerton, Washington. And in Bremerton, Washington, I met my husband. That's where I met my husband. And before I met him though, another couple had got married. And they got married at, uh, oh goodness, St. Clair Missionary Baptist Church. That's up in uh, Bremerton, Washington. And Reverend Eccles, he was the pastor. He was at the reception and he said, all y'all that's here partying, I wanna see y'all at church Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, did anybody else hear that? (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's odd, why is he saying that? But I I was the only one, like nobody else heard him say that. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. And from there, I went to that church and felt like God met me there. I felt like I met God there and that I belonged there. And so Mm -hmm. that was the start of my adult relationship, I would say with God, but it also a chance for me to understand Uh, that God doesn't operate in works. Because when I got there, there were stories about, okay, well, you know, are you saved enough? I think that was the feeling that I got. Like, there are things I need to do to be more saved and to start developing my relationship with God. That was the start of that journey for me at that church. Yeah.
1: I know that you mentioned your brother earlier. It sounded like he kind of helped plant that seed in you. Was there anybody else in your life you felt like kind of guided you or helped build that relationship for you or point you to Jesus?
2: Yes. So I maybe I, I jumped a little bit even with that story. Mm-hmm. My brother sent me a track. Y'all know about Bible tracks. Yeah. They don't come to more no no more now, but I was in Dubai and we were, we were in Dubai. We had landed in Dubai and it was hot. I mean, it was like 125, 100 degrees and it felt like Hades. And I was like, we going, this is what, is this what hell feel like? (laughs) It was hot. But he sent that track while we were there. And I was like, what is wrong with him? Like, why are you being this big Jesus freak? Would you please take it down? But I kept it and I read it while out to sea. I would continue to read it and just think about it every once in a while. And just even as I was out to sea, I started to realize how vast God is. Just how we are just this little microscopic being, this little dot in the earth. And then you think about the universe and you're like, somebody created this. And if this person, this God, as me on, on, on their mind, that is just something. And it's, so it just really started to minister to me being out to sea and being so far away. Like, what if something happens, mm-hmm. uh, only God could keep us like who could keep us afloat on this vast, vast, uh, body of water where nobody knows where we are. Um, going to the red sea, seeing the red water, Mm. was so transforming for me. So seeing God in the earth was transforming. My brother sending me that uh, track was transforming because it was like you said, he kept um, sending me seeds or or just watering that seed. But I do believe like God had to orchestrate that. There was no way that all of this could have happened when I look back and think about how my life has progressed. So my aunt... My mom's sister, uh, still uh, Church of God of Christ, well Pentecostal Church of God of Christ, but we started to have relationship and talk about God, and uh, we got to talking about tongues and speaking in tongues because my auntie she, she's a chief tongue speaker. <laughs> now listen, you you ain't got it till you got it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you
2: ain't got it, and so that with with that conversation. Cheryl, she helped me to study the word and even to use the word to understand um, not what people say, but what God says. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we can make up what we think we need to do, but it's, it's, it's right in the word. So he said, Call if he and anyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. That's what the word says. It doesn't say anyone who calls, anyone who speaks in tongues shall be saved. It says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved mm. and so we would go back and work with that and i'm like this is the word ma'am mm. this is what it says and so i i can speak a tongue but that is not what it says it says that if i call upon his name i should be saved and that actually when i even call upon him i'm saved his holy spirit is in me and is sealed to the day of redemption so once i got that in me it, it was a process for me to build my faith so I can understand what God has done for me, not what the preacher said to me. Yes, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe that. But what do I actually believe is what I had to ingest on my own, Um, not based on what people said in the church or or even anywhere you're getting things. You have to understand that and get that understanding for yourself and trust and trust that God is who he says he is for yourself.
0: That's so true because a lot of times we just listen to what's around us and we automatically assume that's word. The culture sometimes it it gets us confused with his word, you know. The
1: enemy will use God's word and try to manipulate it. And like you said, with the culture, if we're not getting into the word ourselves, we won't know for sure if it's coming from God. And we have to make sure that we're studying it ourselves.
2: That is in relation to... Uh, first, your salvation, but also your walk in life, how you raise your children, what does marriage mean, what does love mean? Because I thought I was in love when I was in eighteen, but I was in lust. Right. What I found out, because love doesn't love doesn't require me to do something. If you do this, and I love you, no, it's agape love is unconditional. It hopes all things, it, it endures all things, it does all of those things that's listed in First Corinthians thirteen. So if we don't start our basis off of that and then move over to what it says in Ephesians 5 about marriage and love, and if, if, we, to, if we are to love, if it, the Bible says that the man should love his wife as he loves his own self, you have to first go back to 13, 1 Corinthians 13, to find out what is that love? What does that mean? And, and so if we're looking at what the culture says, as you say, then we will think love is taking cute pictures on instagram it's <laughs> yeah. it's our baby is cute it's our uh, family is uh boss we a boss you know right and we're, we're we have uh boss goals or you know we both have a high 401k that's right. not that doesn't necessarily mean love you know you might just be glorified business partners yeah that's not what god's called us to do he's called us into this marriage. I don't even know how we got here, but it he called us into this marriage. Hey, you good? We good? And worship Him. That's what our marriage should be, right? So, and and over the years, though, and I I could say that because I would try to find something in the Bible to be against my husband. Be like, listen, see what he did, and and guess what the Bible would do? Turn it back to you. What what you got going on, mm-hmm. What About him? What are you doing with your walk? What are you doing? It would always be like, well, that's that, that that's talking about me. And so that's what I love about God is his word will turn it to you. It's not for anybody else. It's it's personal, right? How I interact with my relationship with God then becomes communal. So it's, it's a personal walk and then it's a communal walk and faith together with community so we can be in community together.
1: And that's kind of one of the reasons why we started this podcast with all the quarantine and us not being able to really get out there in the community like we used to. And, -hmm. you know, like sharing stories, we used to film baptism stories at our church and edit them and just not being able to do that. But we know the power of each individual story because we know it points to his story. And we just love this idea that people can listen to you and listen to other people's stories and just be encouraged and be pointed to Jesus. So community is a big thing. And even if it has to be over webcam, you know, we got to adapt and do what we need to do.
2: When we talk about community, one thing I know God has just blessed me with, and I think even my family, is we've always had a church home everywhere that we were stationed. So my husband was in the Navy 20 years. He retired. I got out at the four. Well, everywhere we went. And we moved 12 times. Mm. This was our 13th move here to Georgia, was our 13th move. Wow. We lived all over. uh, And then we lived all over the states in one country. We lived in Japan for three years. Um, And that's exactly, well, okay. So let me, I'll talk about that in a minute. But (laughs) 12 years, 12, 13 times, is our 13th move. Um, And everywhere we've been, we've been with a community of faith which I think has been consistent. I have friends all over, like I have friends in, in, in Alaska, friends in Texas, friends in Charleston, friends in Japan still, um, just people all over the world that I'm still connected with because of our faith and because of the community that has happened everywhere that we have been. And that's been the constant, and I know that has trajected my faith and my belief because that has been the consistent, throughout my life. So, yeah, I think that's even now, even now I just I know that some people right off the church, you know, been hurt in the church. I have been hurt too. Y'all ain't done. I've been yeah. hurt too. But there's something about the community of the beloved. The beloved community that is is necessary, I think for us as believers and this for those who don't feel like you belong. Because I've been at a church where, um, so after, I think, I don't know which, yeah, I do know which church, but I'm not going to name it. But I was hurt at this church. I was hurt. And I, when we got to our next duty station, I left that, we left that um, duty station and it was just a hurtful thing for me. The next place we went, I did not say I'm not going to go to church. I still went to church. Um, right. And it was really a, a four-square church, all Portuguese, all Portuguese. I was the only black one up in there, <laughs> <laughs> it was me. But my mindset um, was, I'm gonna sit in the back, I just wanna hear the man of God preach, that's it. I don't, you know, I don't care whatever you, don't nobody gotta talk to me. I don't even wanna be around nobody just, you know, I just come to hear the word, I'm come worship, and I'm gonna do what I gotta do, and I'm out. And that's where I was. Oh, wow. And those people loved on me. They noticed I would come in, sit in the back, and I would hear, and I would go. Right. So they right. set up some kind of trap for me, y'all. They were like, <laughs> hey, how you doing? We noticed that you're coming in, and we just wanted to pray for you. Uh-huh. And so and I was like, okay, all right, okay, you know, okay, and pray for you. So they would pray, you know, and I would leave. And then the next time I met with them, they said, what can we pray for you about? And mm. I would say, um, you know, I'm just going through this, or you know, I'm just angry. And they're like, well, let's pray about that. And every time we would talk, they would say, well, let's pray about that. And I said, y'all, some praying <laughs> folks. Yeah, but it was the most. Um, it was the and another thing. Their worship, their worship was not like my traditional Baptist church because it was all Portuguese. So they was having a, it was just a different style of worship. What I learned there is true worship, listening to what the word says, that uh God loves you and that he'll never leave you. And just hearing those words and jesting and that and understanding and believing it, yes, that God does love me. I am redeemed, I am bought at a price. Not just the melody of it, but understanding what they really meant helped me to learn how to worship. Besides Fred hand, because that's my boy. <laughs> Those two things were really, it was a place where I learned how to worship and then pray. And that prayer does change things. And they would take everything literally to prayer. And after, I don't know, maybe a year, my heart started to soften back because I had been hurt. And so it became a healing place for me. And from there, we were going to move again. So we moved every three years, y'all. So every three years, God was had us on assignment. And it was just trusting God wherever we go. And we're going to do whatever God's called us to do. But it was just a healing place for me and learning from people who don't look like me, but loving God and praying for me, literally praying for me, uh, so that I could come back and serve more and serve Keep staying in the church and believe in God for what God is doing.
0: For say, if you're new um, to Christianity and um, it, just try to find a good Bible teaching church um, and try to find one that fits for you, even if it doesn't seem like it does. Like you were at a Portuguese church, you know, but they taught the word. Um, yes. and, and that's important. If that word is being taught, you're going to yeah. learn from it. And um, the community, the people have been praying for you. That was a good pastor. Whoever was leading that church. <laughs> you...
2: Awesome. We couldn't even call him pastor. We called him <laughs> Kenny. So his first name was Kenny. <laughs> that, that was a whole shift, mind shift for me because, you know, we say pastor oh, yeah. all day long. Oh, yeah. But it's like, just call me Kenny. And we literally were, he was preaching through the whole Bible. And when I left, I think we were in Corinthians by that time. Mm. It was it was so good. When you say Bible teaching, that's so imperative. But yes,
0: definitely. And and God set it up that way. Um, it can cut across any language, any barrier. If you are able to, you know, grab a hold of it and actually accept what He's saying and and what they're teaching us, um, it's it's life changing. When I was out in Kansas, I found a church out there that was a great Bible teaching church. And, you know, once that word is being taught. Uh, yeah, praise and worship might be different. Yeah, things might be different, but the word is always going to be the same and it's never changed. I think that's awesome that you had that experience, be able to be at a Portuguese church and still learn just as much as you would have uh, anywhere else. And there's a lot of churches. Is something for everyone. Every personality is different. Every church is different. Just try to get in one and see where you fit in. Um, you know, one church might not be right for you. Don't rule out all churches you know?
2: (laughs) Literally every time we moved, we would have to find a new church. So I consider myself a professional new member because I've been so many times. I've been to so many new member orientations and, you know, just not knowing people and and learning that community and trying to be a part of that community. So I I know that feeling. And like you said, you find the church that it's your personality first that preaches the word of God um, that doesn't preach personality because that's not what we're there for. We're there for the word of God, that's right. and, but loves the people. Um, and, and by loving the people, you're teaching them to, to also learn and read for themselves. So that it's not listen to me and what I say, but go look for yourself.
1: The last question that we have for you, if you could tell your younger self one thing or just any words of encouragement to our listeners out there, what would it be?
2: Wow. Such a profound question. I know. And yeah, I want to tell myself a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but one, to
2: trust the process. He who has begun a good work will complete it upon the day of Jesus Christ. Um, and that is a process. And I love processes. But then again, sometimes I don't. Because the truth is, sometimes the process is enlightening and sometimes it's dark right there's shades to the process sometimes it's isolating sometimes it feels like you're being fulfilled sometimes you feel like you're being unfulfilled but trust the process God has a plan he is our alpha he is our omega. he's the author and the finisher of our faith and so the process though that the process is when he begun it and the promise is that he's going to perfect it and so when he begin the process, we have to trust that he's going to perfect that process at the end. It's all going to be perfected for God. And so I think I would sit, tell myself that, trust God, um, don't lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways acknowledge him so that God can direct our path because it's, it's him when I acknowledge how i'm feeling however be real with god god is real be real with god he already knows he said he knows our thoughts are far off so how am i trying to be so um i don't need to fake it there's no faking it till we make it not in god i'm angry i'm depressed i'm mad i'm sad whatever it is Uh, that's what the psalmist used to do they were telling god about what was going on i love the humanity of the psalms Right. It's like crying out, why have you forsaken me, God? Why have you left? And really asking God those questions. Do we, you know, it's okay. But then they will come back sometimes and say, you know what? But you have been there. So the same God who was there in the beginning will be the same God that will be there in the end. Lo, I'm with you always, even into the end, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would tell my
1: younger self. The first question we kind of asked is, you know, how did it all begin? And, you know, when you were younger, it was kind of like you had the you were scared of God. And now, like, it's a complete transformation. And knowing that we have eternal life, it just puts it all into perspective. And we know where we're going to go when we die. And that's just the awesome thing about having that relationship with Jesus.
2: Yes. So. I think you you you're really hitting it. Like I've been thinking about this scripture the last two days. You were darkness but now you are light, walk as children of the light. And so darkness is where I came from. That was all I had. It was no hope, um, but now I have hope and the hope is in Christ and it's his redemptive work. So what happened when I was younger is I didn't get the whole story, y'all. All I got was, yeah, you have, you a sinner, you you, you sin. you right. know. Um, but now, I, I, so I had admitted that I was a sinner, and the confession, but then I didn't get the redemption part of it. And so the fact is, we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. His blood is what redeemed us. We can't do it. There's nothing we can do that can redeem us from anything that we have done. And I'm so grateful that he looked upon me with with my filthy self, raggedy things that I've done that I don't even want to speak about. But God said, I love her so much. I am going to pull her out of that darkness and she is going to be light. She will be in the light. She will be one of those foolish things in the world to confound the wise. That's what he's done for me. And I know he could do it for anybody. So anybody out there, I don't care what you have done. There is nothing that you can do that God is even surprised by. We may be surprised, but not God. And God loves you unconditionally. And if you were the only one on this earth, he would be, he would have died. He would have sent a son to die for you. That's the God that I serve, that mm-hmm. loves me unconditionally. And I want to love him that way and try to love others the same way. But one thing he gives us is a brand new mercy every single day, because I know I use mine up every single day.
0: <laughs> me too.
2: <laughs> but, but yes, God loves us. And I, I just, I pray everyone receives that love. So. It's something to say God loves you. It's something to know and receive it that God loves me and that this is not my home. There is something after this. Right. I do have an eternal glory, eternal place to go after here.
0: It's so easy to accept Jesus. He meets you right where you are. Um, You don't have to wait to be perfect because you'll wait your whole life because you'll never make it there. He right. sent his perfect son down to die for us. So that way we have eternal life. That way we can live in heaven and enjoy uh, being in his presence. So, um, you know, if you're not saved today, um, you know, just try it, you know, just try it. If you want more information, we'll leave uh, links in the description below. You know, just just try Jesus. I, I You know, I, I challenge you to just try it. Uh, what's the worst can happen. You know, God's word is is undefeated. Uh, He's never lost anything. Um, Yeah, things might not go our way after we accept them, uh, but everything is for a reason. Um, He has a plan for all of us, and he uses our messed up selves to just use that as experience to be able to go out and do what he's called us to do. So, Sharice, we appreciate you jumping on today. Your story is amazing. Uh, We appreciate that so much.
1: And being willing to... Be humble and tell the people, we all make mistakes. And I think that's the biggest thing is so many people want to kind of like fake book. They post all the positive things and they don't tell the whole story. And then people get, that kind of turns them away from Christianity, from Jesus. But we just want to point them to him. And I think you've done a wonderful job. Jesus so me, said, he showed him the scars.
2: And so when we don't show our scars, that doesn't help, right? When we cover it up, dress it up, all of that. No, we have to show our scars so that people can see it. And when Jesus showed um, Thomas his scars, he didn't believe. It's like, oh, so it's it's for those right now. That's what you're reaching. Those who need to see that, oh, okay. It's a process, y'all. It's not just overnight breaking here or this is it. No, it's a process. And we just appreciate you.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Thank you all. It's a privilege to be on the show with you all. And anytime you want to hear any crazy tales, I got to wait. Or some recipes. <laughs> that's right. That's right.